Crack, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. On this episode of Keeping Track, Ro and Alicia catch up on their weekend while I pop out to run a workout, and then we sit down to talk to Don Harper Nelson, known best for her Olympic and World Championship gold medals in the 100-meter hurdles. We talk about the unique point of view she has in her career as a surprise winner of Olympic gold to becoming an athlete of perennial excellence, some of the painful and confusing fallout she experienced after dethroning sports media darling Lolo Jones, her experiences around the agony and ecstasy of winning and losing at the highest level, the perspective she has unique to her race and gender in the sport, and her current perspective as a new mother who's now unretired and returning to the sport. Thanks for keeping track. Hello, everyone. Hey, Ro, how you doing? Hey, Alicia, how you doing? I'm feeling pretty good, actually. Um, I'm I am super excited just getting back from Boston. Mm-hmm. Where um, you were the presenter on NBC, no big deal. <laughs> presenter. Uh, I was the, um, I was an analyst oh, for sorry. the New Balance Grand Prix. And it was incredible. It was my first experience in um, being on air broadcasting. I did have an opportunity, obviously, in 2017 to do commentating, which was like no face. It was just voice. Oh, okay. Um and I did just a few events, and this was like my first really big on-air opportunity. And I'm just really grateful for NBC for giving me the opportunity and to be on the team. And mm-hmm. it's just a nice to – I love new beginnings. And you know what I mean? I don't even know if I'd call it new beginnings, but being mm-hmm. able to uh, step out into that space and really hone in on a goal of mine that I've wanted and mm-hmm. finally be presented with the opportunity, I – I'm um, I'm thrilled about it. Great. Very excited. It was very fun. Out, do you put yourself out there for that? Did they ask you? How does that I put work? myself out there for that. I'm mm-hmm. down with putting myself out there. Yeah, you good for you. See how no, I this is how it. I run the 800. <laughs> no, but yeah, but people we yeah. always say, oh, that person must just got offered that, or that person must yeah. just like bestowed that thing. But it's like no. <laughs> yeah, I no, I definitely yeah. I um so back in 2017, I you know, briefly, I remember having a conversation with Lewis Johnson. I'd mentioned it with before, you know, I'd even um, decided, you know, I was going to just take a step back for a little bit. Um, You know, this is some stuff that I want to be doing. Like, how'd you get into it? And I'm talking to just everybody. Mm. And then uh, in 2017, I ran at Milrose and Lewis Johnson um, interviewed me. And I just remember feeling like, Hey, you know, just to just kind of go off what we talked about the last couple of years because people had mentioned to me when you're done, you know, running or whatever, or when you're in some sort of transition period, it'd be so great for you to just, you know, be on camera. Is that something you'd like to do? And I'm like, absolutely. I studied theater performing arts. I love being able to elevate, obviously, and share stories. And so, um, yeah, being able to do that. Uh, I mentioned to him, yeah, I mentioned to him, hey, if there's ever opportunity. And then I, I mentioned to Josh Kaplan at good day LA and everybody was just so great about giving me advice on where to go from there obviously I was pregnant and then put out a reel I sent it to NBC back in the beginning of 2018 and then now I'm beginning of 2019 and so it's all about building 2020 even yeah 
is it 2020? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know what it is, but I do yeah. know how the opportunities kind of no. aligned themselves and how right. I kind of just kept throwing out little like, you know, just mm-hmm. keep thinking of me, you know. Yeah, and did you enjoy it? <laughs> I had such a great time. I'm eager to go again. Um, yeah. Like anything, you know, your first time you, there's things that you're like, ooh, I'd love to kind of do this a little mm-hmm. differently. And sure. um, I mean, I think I took it very seriously. Obviously, I prepared. I looked, you know, into what I would want to have heard if mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the other end. But anyways, yeah. this is a lot about me, everybody. <laughs> no, <because> no. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like fascinated because it was great. And it's great to see you out there and just like, yeah, Thank like you. trying new things and having the courage to do it and sharing your voice and trying brilliant. new yeah. things. That's yeah. the thing. Trying new things. Yeah. As a pro athlete, it, it does like a circle of the things that you do on a Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So <laughs> It was really nice to try new things and just to be on the other side, to be honest. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. You and, look good. Um, you look good. <laughs> thank you. I look forward to another opportunity. Yeah, but mm-hmm. around this whole amazing, you know, opportunities, new opportunities, we have <laughs> had an amazing guest on who yes. thought one um, space in her life was done and then is now looking for another opportunity. Mm-hmm. to show that she can be mom. I mean, she can be athlete and mother. Yes. Don Harper Nelson. Yes. Olympic royalty. I have her written down here. <laughs> oh, She's an Olympic you. champion and a silver medalist. So yeah. if that doesn't define Olympic royalty, I don't know what it does. She's, yeah, that's amazing. I'm gold <laughs> and silver medalist in yeah. a time as well, you know, grabbing that gold when... No one was talking about her mm. to be the gold medalist. Yeah. What were what were some of your thoughts on on oh, the conversation we had man. with her? Man, I I left that. I think I texted you guys after. It was it was yeah. I felt that was an it's a really powerful interview, and I'm excited for everyone to hear it and just hear. So you have this expectation: what would it be like to win an Olympic gold medal? It must be amazing. And then to hear the reality was part of it was. Um, I don't know what the word is, but it was definitely disappointing and um, heartbreaking at times. Um, but to hear her reality after winning an Olympic medal and some of the adversity she faced even after that was just shocking. Um, and I think it's really important story to get out there and, and for have people to understand sometimes what the reality is for different athletes. Um, and it's, her story is amazing and it's like a, like I think you said it was like a Cinderella story and yeah. um, I think it should be out there I think kids should learn it I think it should be in kids school books I think it, everybody needs to hear it I love it <laughs> this I, is the real Cinderella story everyone yeah, yeah. wait till you guys hear um, and I loved her reality like her humanity of like you know even you know have been an Olympic medalist multiple times and then dealing with the transition out of that temporary transition out of it and being like oh what am I you know who am I if I'm not running around and how much we kind of she kind of minimized her identity in how we can do that as athletes and her struggle to kind of broaden that identity again and I think Uh that's like a theme we've been hearing even Shalane kind of talked about that a little bit and it is a reality for um, that transition out of sport is a reality for really difficult for a lot of athletes and I think the more we can hear about that and talk about that um the less alone people will feel absolutely yeah Yeah. I think um I can't wait for you guys to hear this is such an incredible interview but I do agree with you I think there's that's 
for me, I love examples mm-hmm. <laughs> and of people that have gone before me. Obviously, being the example is not always great. Um, no. <laughs> but I think that I've, right? But I think that I've been able to learn from my close peers that have, you know, maybe three or four years my senior who have already talked about the identity of being an athlete. And I think mm-hmm. I, I really try to manage my, um, my lifestyle goals to mm. not be Alicia, the athlete, because it, I can just only imagine how devastating it is that people need that. Like even in my own family, I, my family knows not to talk like just running to me. Yeah. Um, I would, when I was, when Lewis and I first got married, his, uh, parents would always just make some sort of joke. Did you run here? And I just was like, can we have them stop doing that? <laughs> you know, can they ask me like, you know, yeah. Oh, like how was that painting you were working yeah. on? Or, you know, and I just really try to defer conversations from being just that because yeah. it is difficult mm. and you've got to be able to move on. And it's so depressing for mm. athletes, for some, for people to not know who they are without that, yeah. you know, yeah. or without it in that way. Like I, I'm always going to be a runner. I'm always going to, yeah, but I'm. I, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Anyways, but then when she's people such a great only see it through that, it's kind of then you're like, oh, maybe that is all I am, right? So especially yeah. when, and especially in Olympic medalist, like your identity is like solid. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the world will see you as that. You're famous for that, and right. Um, you know, it's you just, want the catalyst of that, right? Yeah, you want to yeah. be able to use that as a resume, mm-hmm. but not be the only thing yeah, that matters. Exactly. Yeah. And it's hard because sometimes, and this is what I kind of struggle with a little bit with the Olympics, the way it's gone the last 120 years, whatever, it has become this like, you know, tunnel vision, single focus thing in order to get there. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of live that way. Um, but there, you know, the downside of that is, you know, you come out of that tunnel and it's like, OK, oops, there's more to life here. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it just evolves that way to high performance above all else. Um, and there's just the shadow of that is that people then feel like, oh, who am I without that? So anyway, right. <laughs> anyways, enjoy, the, enjoy the, the interview and uh, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you guys. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 11 of Keeping Track. Uh, We have a great guest today with Dawn Harper Nelson. Um, She is a 100-meter hurdle specialist for the U.S. of A., gold medal in Beijing Olympics, silver in the 2012 Olympics, silver at the recent 2017 London World Champs, um, many-time Diamond League title winner. So she is a boss on the track and recently had her first daughter Harper not quite a year ago so welcome Dawn so great to have you on the show thank you so much for having me guys yes and we are rolling into Black History Month for February so we have some amazing athletes on the lineup our schedule is really great and we're going to get some great insights for all of you from um, some of these amazing athletes across a couple of different sports lovely so Dawn I just want yes. to jump right in. First of all, let's talk about reti- let's talk about the farbism, retirement to coming out of retirement. What what are, what are we thinking right now? What are we <laughs> like? What tell me about your brainwave? You you shared a little bit um, with Spikes um, about why you retired in the first place, and then some of the thoughts that were going through your mind during and after your pregnancy. Can you walk us through all of those emotions? 
Yes, all the yes, emotions. That's exactly uh, what it was. The roller coaster of them. Uh, so you know, just for me, I've always said that I knew three things. I wanted to be a wife, an Olympic champion, and a mom. Like I just even from a kid, I just knew those were the things I wanted. Um, I knew the relationship that I had with my mother, and I always said I just couldn't imagine loving someone the way she loves me, and they love me the way I love her. It was just the most beautiful thing in the world to me. And throughout my career, I never imagined though that I would be this old. 35 having my first child um I younger I just say like oh no I won't be 30 I won't be 30 anything before I have my first no because I want multiple kids and I thought that that was just so old um and I feel like sounds crazy but back then it was kind of unheard of to really have your first child kind of in your 30s mid 30s um so anyway so I found myself in my career it was going really well and I found myself just pushing it back pushing it back because as we know, the climate of athletics, you have a child, you're done because your contract is cut off. And so that was really in the forefront of my mind. And that was, um, it was often, it was on my mind all the time. It was, it was because what started to happen was the pull of the two. I wanted to continue to run, but I wanted to be a mom. Um, and me and my husband, we had the conversation. I got married at 28. We had the conversation numerous times. You know, he's like, when do you think, you know, you want to start? And I'm like, well, you know, uh, after 2016, like for sure, for sure. And then 2017 got here and I was like, but you hold on, sir. I'm for (laughs) sure going to have me some babies. And the blessing was I never felt the, um, well, you said, well, you said after this year, well, you said, you know, he was very understanding because he said he knew that in track and field is a short window, no matter how you cut it. Um, in sports in general. And so he also knew the ins and outs of track and field and contracts because he ran before. And so I was blessed with that. And so 2018 came and I told him, I was like, I completely feel the urge to be someone's mom more than I feel track and field. And if I decide to come back one day ever, no, I'm not. But, you know, then I'll do that. But I just I wanted to be someone's mom. And so I get pregnant with my daughter. And like you said, you heard me. I'm crazy enough now where I want to run again. But the whole time I was pregnant, just had these thoughts of, man, I still have that itch to run. Like I'll, you know, sit yeah. back with my big old belly and I'm like, I don't really know how to do it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and you feel yourself getting bigger and bigger and you're nervous because you see women that have recovered, maybe not even come back to athletics, but you see them, they look great. They're in really good shape. But I'm thinking, but how do you really come back from putting on this much weight to want to be back to the best shape you've ever been in your life to compete against these girls that did not take a year off, that never that aren't in the mindset of stepping away for even a second, you know, and I knew what it took to win. So I'm thinking, how do you come back to that after you have a child? Um, And uh, I, you know, I sat down and talked with my husband and he said, he's like, sweetie, I knew you, I knew you were going to run a run again. I was like, you know, your wife, thank God. (laughs) And, um, and so I just, I sat there and I said, Dawn, are you willing to honestly juggle the two? Because it's not going to be put aside one or the other. It's going to be a mending, a blending of the two. Um, and you're going to, to a certain extent, in your own way, try have to master that. Because in order to go to that line and feel confident every single time, I'm going to have to believe that I was the best mother that I could be. But I was also the best athlete that I could be. I'm just someone I can't, I can't, I can't accept kind of one or the other, you know, because I feel like if I'm really just falling off as a mom, track is done. It's not a question for me. Um, if I feel like with track, you know, you're just letting too many days go by because you're like, oh, well, my daughter oh, my daughter, um, it's going to be one of those, honey, I need you to step up right now because training, we know we have to ramp it up. And so I've just, you know, we've juggled the two, talked about it a lot, me and my husband. And I'm just blessed where he is like his, his thing is 
it's, it's my daughter too. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I just didn't know if you knew that you had to be 200% in as well. So, um, so for me, that's just where I am. And it's going really well right now. So oh, that's, that's a long story. <laughs> you know, it's no, this is what we want. We want to, we want to hear, you know, really dive into your background of all of it. There's clearly the physical side mm-hmm. of pregnancy when you're choosing uh, family or pregnancy happens in families. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you talked about the emotional side of things, the psych, yeah. you know, it's not like you're just pregnant for nine months and you have a baby, you're like, cool, right. moving on. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's, a, there's another small yeah. human that's relying on me for so Literally. much. And mm-hmm. um, from a mom's perspective, I know um, you were pumping and breastfeeding for, yes, <laughs> there's Sorry, a girl everyone just, who can't see. Like, um, right. and, and that's a whole nother commitment that you're like, oh, my body is still doing this yes. work for someone else doing you know spending extra energy and then now to survive (laughs) to live oh my goodness and then you know the energy that you're putting into to training what was a period of time in which you felt like you and if you do now you talked about things going really really well um you felt like more of yourself i I don't want to say like your old self because you're never going to be that but (laughs) more of someone who had ownership over their their body um, it's funny. It was for me, I feel like I know the exact moment, um, that I felt like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dawn. Yeah. Hello. Uh, you know, not like Dawn slash mom, but just Dawn, you know, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, where I felt like I was now standing on my own two feet again. Um, and I can juggle it all was when, when I, soon as that, soon after I had my daughter, I started training a month afterwards where I was like back on the track and, you know, actually trying to push myself through things. And so I'm out there and I remember I got to a point where I wanted to do just a simple blowout. You know, you just get off the line, a nice little pop, 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 you know, in speed, just steps, first three steps, make them a little quick. And then you just kind of shut it down, but you keep your stride going. And it felt like my hips, um, first of all, they laughed at me (laughs) and they shifted so much when I tried to, it was almost like I was pulling, literally pulling one leg while I was pushing off the other. I mean, it was a drag step and I wasn't trying to really do a drag step. Uh, and that scared the crap out of me. Can you explain um, really quick, sorry to our listeners, what a drag step is? Okay. So um, that is when, when you see sprinters that are getting out of the blocks or their first typically two to three steps where literally the top of the tip of their spikes scrape the track, um, is trying to keep it low and you bring your foot up and you really claw back into the track. That's going to be quick and powerful steps. So that's really, and you have to, at that moment, when you do that, when you get off the line for the first two, three steps, everything is engaged, core, shoulders, arms, obviously your legs are activated, but every single part of your body, it's like you you clench everything to move at that one moment. And Mm -hmm. I tried to clench and my body said, you had a daughter about a month and a half ago at the time. And it was the most foreign, shocking, sad, scary thing I had experienced in my life because I know track. I know hurdles. I know how to run. I know what I feel like when I'm ready. I know what I feel like when I'm coming back from an injury because I've been injured multiple times in track and field. This was something I had never felt before. And I remember thinking, I, so of course I, I cry because I'm just like, um, oh my God, my body is not mine. Like I don't know this body. And my husband's at the track and he just comes over. He's like, sweetie, you have to remember, you just had a daughter. And he just said it just like that. There was no like, you don't know. He's like, you had a daughter. That encompasses everything, like the mental, the physical, everything. So he's like, you have to give yourself time. 
And it was crazy because I'm like, I know, but I just still was thinking, but like it was, it was almost like a, um, I couldn't explain like, but you don't know how that felt to me. That felt terrible to not be able to do something that I feel like is just rolling out of bed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really hard. And I remember training and I remember thinking, you're like, well, you know, they say one day you'll get better one day. And I go to the chiropractor and they tell me, no, we don't want to adjust you, your pelvis, because you need, it, it can take up to a year for it to go back on its own, to be tight and back, you know, level. Um, and so that was scary as well, because I'm like, I don't have a year for that. And over time though, just doing little small muscle groups and strengthening I remember going back to the track and just over time just saying, oh, and not thinking about um, I'm going to try and do a little blow off the line, like a blast off the line again with the three steps. And I did it and and I slowed down. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my. I did it. Like, And I wasn't trying to think of here's the moment to tell me again, because by this time I had been trained, you know, for like mm, about three months. So about another month and a half had gone by, you know, when my body was really able to kind of just slowly. And of course, it wasn't like, oh, I'm back. But I was able to my body did what I asked it to do. Mm. Um, on call. And so I just remember in that moment, that was my moment of, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have arrived, people. Mm-hmm. People are in trouble. Like, people, so that, that was my moment. Like, yeah. yeah. It's about, you said four or five months? Uh, it was like three to four. Oh my God. Kind of really in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I was, Everyone, I was, don't I was compare working. yourself to other people. Yeah, was, I was, yeah, do incredible. not, for sure. No, I was, I was like in the house, you know, laying down, playing with Harper, like, you know, clinching, doing the exercise. I had my balls between. I'm like, oh, Harper. Yeah. You know, did you, did you seek uh, special postnatal care or just, you know? No, I didn't. Girl, listen, I was a researching queen. I mean, I had all my, you know, on my phone, uh, my little tabs open where I'm like, okay, this exercise now, this exercise for, you know, throughout the day. Yeah, you know, because a lot of women, you they were being very honest as well. Like a year is also nice. It can take longer. You know, you just mm-hmm. never know. And so it said just to help yourself. And so what I did was I tried to take the pressure off of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, don't I know we need quicker than a year, but don't try and think of it. Just do what you can. So then yeah. I adapted the mentality of, well, let me do what I can. And if it's not meant to be, then it's not meant to be. But it won't be because I just said, well, I had a baby. Oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, those don't sit well with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And postnatal care is so different and, mm-hmm. and very, very hard to find anyway. Yeah. We, I yes. wish it was more accessible and it was, there's a pamphlet for you, right? Mm-hmm. When you deliver that was yep. like, here's your next steps. Here's your training regimen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like that. So yeah. totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, Don, I, the other day I watched all of the players Tribune, the T show that you were on. I don't know how long ago you filmed that, but um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Thank you so much. The kind of conversations that Mm -hmm. I think need to happen. Yeah. Um, Did you see the news yesterday about the WNBA collective bargaining agreement? Yeah. And I talked to NECA. So me and NECA, we really, the WNBA player, we really hit it off. And so, you know, I sent her, you know, a message online. And I was like, I need to send her, you know, talk to her on the phone. So, you know, I sent her a message. And I was like, you moved women's sport, obviously WNBA, you know, but talk talking to her and I told her how beautiful was it that we were just recording that it was a uh, was it early December late November okay, uh, the players recent. tribute exactly and so we were just saying you know she's like of course I can't give you know you all the ins and outs but she told me what she could and she's like these are things we, you know we kind of really want to fight for and we're just really hoping it doesn't look good for some of this stuff and then I was like wait I woke up like wait a minute she's on good morning American so yes. I sent my message like I can't believe she was like, no, it is amazing. She's like, you know, women in general are moving. I was like, we moving up. We're moving yeah. up. 
So that's it's just cool. So it's cool. it's it directly relates to some of the issues you ladies were talking about on the show as far as, you know, mm-hmm. childcare for yep. some of the players yep. who are moms. They all get um, a certain level of childcare. Yep. Um, the salary caps were, yep. were raised and the minimums were raised. Yeah, it was, it's really mm-hmm. a big deal for the WNBA. So that was cool to see. Yes. Um, especially Let after see. just watching the show. So Right. And I'll say really quick, <laughs> I love that the world recognized it. It was such a big deal that they had to be on. Like this was an yes. announcement. You know, it wasn't yes. like social media just put, do a post and then it just kind of gets repost, repost, repost. Like she's yeah. on Good Morning America announcing because everyone understands how big of a deal this was. I truly appreciate it. I was like, we're finally getting, we're just getting a little bit, but you know. Yeah, no, that yeah. was a big deal for other mm-hmm. leagues to see. I mean, that's yeah. going to be a big deal to set precedence for women's soccer. And I think it's Holistic. just that they made it a big news cycle is important. So mm-hmm. that was awesome. That was, was, yeah, I actually, I met NECA a few weeks ago at a oh. photo shoot. You. And I wish I would have talked to her more. Like I was uh-huh. just being shy and like, oh, like I'm just <laughs> super sweet. Runner. But I was like, dang, I wish I talked to her more because this was going on like at that time. And so mm-hmm. yeah, she is amazing leader in the WNBA. And yeah, yeah that was cool news. Um, yeah. and very people. I encourage people. We'll put a link to the Players Tribune mm-hmm. series, the yeah. T. You guys, uh, if you're interested in what we're talking about, you'll love that series too, which yeah. Don is on. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious from from a track and field perspective, guys. Like. What's let's let's talk about our collective bargaining, you know, some of the things that we want. Part of, yeah. <laughs> part of one of the things that's really difficult, I think, is we all come from an individual aspect. Things we are fighting for are are what um, companies across the board can make standardized, mm-hmm. quote unquote, in their contracts, meaning, you know, contracts that are not just set up for men. Part of mm-hmm. it, I think, would be pretty interesting for us to, you know, make sure that we have points that are you know, things like an athlete cannot sign an exclusive contract, you know, if it's under a certain, um, Mm. you know, margin of living, you know, if Mm -hmm. if it's below the poverty line and we're unable to actually make this our full-time job. Almost like a minimum wage type thing. Exactly. I feel like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be an exclusive, um, an exclusive contract. And a lot of these, these deals that athletes are deals (laughs) that athletes are getting are really not helping, um, us in the in the long run people have said things from like a maternity perspective you guys should have saved your money and allow yourself to just be missing for for whatever 12 months or whatever knowing that you just weren't going to get paid and I'm like well track and field doesn't really roll like that second of all we deserve an opportunity to you know take a step back mm-hmm. you know what i mean and um be protected within our contracts there's more to us than just well, yeah, and if there were yeah. if there were more women in charge, do you think they would make it set up that way, where it's just right. like just save money when you decide to give birth? It's like, well, why would why <laughs> would you set that. it up? If someone, I saw a tweet that was like, this is I think Lindsey Krause tweeted this collective bargaining agreement for, bargaining agreement is setting women up to succeed, and like yeah. that's kind of revolutionary in and of itself to like set them up to thrive like throughout all phases of their life, like yeah, so. And I think like, you know, if we're talking about, you know, women being professional athletes, we need to say, hey, and that will include, you know, when you want to go to the other side of your life and have, you know, have kids and and not be like, okay, we'll take you this far. And then you're spat out. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're going to make it a profession for our young girls and you want to say we're going to take care of you like through throughout your career. And so I think it's just this like line now. It's like, okay, we can really honestly say that this is a good opportunity for girls to go into. 
Yeah, and then it's, it's a so worth risky. it's a worthy and it's a worthy investment too. Like you're not done after you have kids. Like I know, like you've seen Allison Felix, you've seen right. Nia Ali, you've seen Steph mm-hmm. Bruce, you've seen all these women. Paula Radcliffe won New York after having a daughter. Like right. um, definitely, it takes it's it takes it has a timeline, but like it pays off in the end. So yeah, and I think something that really bothers me though is when you look at it and you're like, okay. Um, clearly every single female that is competing in sports is not just going to like a whole WNBA team is going to get together and say, hey, 2020, we're all going to get pregnant and screw them because they're still going to have to pay us. No, I think what bothers me is that when you see a woman that is serious about her craft and her career, you see her training, like Alicia, training through the whole time because you're like, I I don't want to. And you're still like, "Uh, sorry, you see me post, you see me, I look, if you you can't even tell I'm pregnant until I turn around. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. clearly I'm working out, I'm handling my business and you're still like, uh, sorry, yeah. I'm doing everything that I can. And that to me is what bothers me is that I'm still mm-hmm. taking this serious so that I can give myself the best chance when I come mm-hmm. back and you're acting as if I sat on the couch and was like, I'm just taking your money. Mm-hmm. That bothers me. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. life infuriates me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Let's talk, let's talk super deep now. Um, you know, you, you talked about, basically motherhood and we talk about the difficulties of being a woman but Don, one of the amazing things that you've been very persistent and open about is talking about the struggles as a black woman in the industry in the entertainment industry and i and i know a lot of black women Mm -hmm. let alone athletes understand and feel that and it's very very difficult to talk to you know the mass public Mm -hmm. about really what we go through and you know, talk about setting yourself up and the difficulty of even setting yourself mm-hmm. up from somewhere you haven't been set up. Yes, right. um, <laughs> and I, I want to talk more about that. You know, we it's we're going into Black History Month and this is the time I think where we can, you know, you've, you've just done such an incredible job sharing your story mm-hmm. and all the things that you've gone through. You've talked about, you know, how you felt like, I, I think you used the word ugly duckling. Somebody mm-hmm. had said something like that to you after the 08 Olympics and about you being bitter because you were, you know, this and that because you were, you were too dark. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about that? And mm-hmm. and I want to talk as deep as you want to talk about it because this is such an important topic. And again, our setup is not the same setup for right. some uh, right. another woman who isn't um, of color. Right. So uh, when I think of where I am now, I always like to like I'm happy that you want to say let's talk you know get deep into it because you know now I'm definitely in a different headspace definitely have a different confidence about myself I'm literally in a space now where it's like like it or love it I believe I'm beautiful I believe I'm worth it I I have so much to offer but I'm just to be honest 2008 that was not where I was um uh I so you know you already are for me I didn't have a contract you know I worked three jobs just trying to make it and so wasn't even really thinking about my look or anything. I'm literally, you I'm trying to else's shoes. Yes, I ran in one in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can I just slow you down uh-huh. for a second, just because I don't know if people realize, we're, just make that connection. 2008, you won the Olympics. So this yeah. is the year <laughs> yeah. of the Olympics. Yeah. And you like reach the pinnacle of your sport. Yeah. In somebody else's shoes. Yes, in someone else's <laughs> shoes. It was actually one of my training wow. partners. She was... Um, two-time world champ, Michelle Perry. And so she was, you know, 
the hurdler of Nike. Ooh, ooh. Um, she had handled her business. And I remember just looking up to her and training with her every day. And she had her name on her shoes. And I called her and I said, I love you, but I don't want to wear your name. Uh, you know, wear your name on shoes. You have any spikes that I could, you know, have. And she's like, I'll check. She had one pair of shoes and she gave them to me. And I ran in the Olympics and won in those. Wow. And um, it, it, when I think of it, it, it really is like, wait, wait, you know, like that. It, it's almost like I feel like that is something that you kind of someone will make up a story and say, believe in this. And I'm like, no, nah, I was living it. I was working those three jobs, stayed mm-hmm. in a, a converted frat house where they turned into apartment living. So we all shared a bathroom. We all shared a kitchen. I put my food in bins and like would put like, please don't eat my food, um, you know, on the bin in this and come back. And sometimes they just got into your chicken and you're like, guys, really? Like we're all adults here. Please. I have $2 to my name. Please stop eating my food. So all of those things. Um, so I'm dealing with all those things. And for me, I'm just thinking of, I believe I can make it in track and field. I believe my talent when I get to the line, uh, I'm not thinking about my hairstyle, my skin, my build. I'm thinking of when I get to the line, can I beat these other women? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then can I beat these women in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Okay, now make a team. Can I beat these women in the world? Right. And so uh, now all of a sudden things have changed because I crossed the line first. Um, but immediately, literally, when I crossed the line, I said what about a million times? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking I could not believe for me and my faith that God thought that this little girl from East St. Louis, whose parents are divorced, whose parents, my mother did not have it. My father did not have it like that. I was blessed with a full ride to UCLA working these jobs. He thought that all that would come with the Olympic champion, I could handle. I don't know what all they are, but all the things that will come, I can handle it. So I'm at the line. And, you know, of course, I'm crying. I'm like, this is crazy. This is, I have arrived. This is crazy. And I get on top of the podium. My family's there. You know, I'm just, and I remember, I thought I was just going to like cry my eyes out on the podium, but I was just so happy. Like, I was like, I don't think I have a tear. I am just like, I was just smiling like, you know, and well, you're a champion, get, yes, right, right, right. <laughs> like, what the best in the world, like the yeah. globe brought together the best they had. Yeah, it still is crazy. Yeah, so <laughs> I now have interviews, mm-hmm. and in these interviews, they also brought, um, you know, the other U.S. athlete, Lolo Jones. And so, we're doing an interview, and I'm just answering the questions that are presented to me because I'm over here, like, <laughs> I never thought I'd be, I mean, I did think I'd be here. Then I didn't know if I'd be here. You know, I'm like, right. I still got that, bills when I get back. Yeah, right. I'm like, I still got that, bills. You were, you were not like the media darling at that point. You were not like yeah, the favorite of that race. And so this was kind of upset. Like, not upset. It wasn't upset. But you and Sally were like, Sally's arrival was like shock yeah. as well. And mm-hmm. um, But you weren't part of their script. So they were having a hard time adjusting to the fact that yeah. you're the champion. And Lolo yeah. wasn't. And yeah, could you? what was that yeah. like for you when they're, yeah, what was that whole, tell us more. Just to hard. give people a context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really hard because um, I did an interview before. This was right after like, you know, the, like the uh, at the Olympics, you know, of course you're sitting down, you got the big cameras on you. But then I, when I went to track meets, uh, this one guy comes up to me and he goes, it's a reporter. And this is right after I had done a press conference. He has a notepad and he shows me, it's blank. And he goes, Okay, who are you and where are you from? Like, what's what's your story? And now where I am, I would say, sir, that's not how we're going to do this one, right? I'm, you know, I'm you okay with understanding, like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> right? 
Um, and so I'm an Olympic champion. Then I'm, but, uh, right? hello. My thing yeah. is, you also had it come by now. Like, you know what I mean? It was like two weeks or something. I'm like, sir, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I sit there and I'm, I remember going, okay, uh, well, my name is, you know, and then I go through my story. Uh, so those were the things that I dealt with. There was so much of, it was kind of like, so we had our person, we had what we wanted to happen that it was, uh, they wouldn't let it go. And I even did an interview, a podcast in, uh, over the phone with, um, oh, I forget, forgot who it was, but these were gentlemen in Jamaica and they were saying, I'm not going to lie. You know, I had my, they want the, um, Delarine oh, to win from Jamaica mm-hmm. and Bridget Foster Hilton. So those are two Jamaicans in the race. Sure. And they were like, we want them to win so much. They said it took them more than a year to get over it. They said literally as a country, they were like, this is our moment. Mm. And their people didn't win. And they were kind of like, okay, this girl Dawn, who's she again? Mm. And they said, oh, she's, she's pretty good. Okay. So everyone, it took everyone time. And this mm-hmm. is the thing. I totally understand. Because think about it. My family, when they went there, they want they wanted me to do well. I completely understand mm-hmm. about you having your favorite or your person that you believe and you. What I cannot comprehend mm-hmm. is you not respecting that everyone that lined up mm-hmm. sacrificed for me. Mm-hmm. Sacrificed so much to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, I believe, uh, even if they didn't cry at some point for this to come true, they went to bed worried, like, man, I'm, I'm working real hard. I would really, like, I really hope it's in my, you know, my future or, you know, like overcoming injuries, the financial struggles, family struggles. Cause my father told me, sweetie, track was fun in college, but you need to get a real job now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. all these things you overcome. The doubts and yeah. Yes. And for, I feel like people to not respect that eight women lined up with insecurities, with nervousness, with I'm going to believe to the last second mm-hmm. and you just will not let it go. Like that yeah. bothered me. And it's, that, it's sports. Anything can mm-hmm. happen in sports, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the media tries to like preordain who's going to yes. be the star and they try and base it on results, but they also base it on marketability and who Absolutely. they decide is marketable. Yes. And Absolutely. for female athletes, largely a lot of that comes into what you look like, which mm-hmm. I think that's been frustrating for me. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can speak to this in a whole new level, but like, yes. if you're great, you're great. And if you win, you win. And the, the podium should be yours. The spotlight should be yours. <laughs> they can make anyone marketable. I, yeah. Everyone's got their traits, their beauties, Come their on. strengths, their mm-hmm. inspiring and you stories. You did a great job doing that um, for men's yeah. sports. Right. Yeah. So it's like when they win, market that, like the shoe companies market mm-hmm. them, the media mm-hmm. needs to market them. Don't depend on you marketing yourself. You're just trying to get there. You're trying right. to get Li- to the line, fit. Literally. And, like, you cannot think about what your hair looks like. You can't think about what you're going to say. So can you talk about sort of what you faced after that, yeah. trying to get yeah. that respect? And yeah. even just talking about, you know, you're not worried about your hair and all this stuff. I didn't even have money to pay for all that. So I'm like, look, guys, mm-hmm. I'm here to run. Like mm-hmm. I literally the money that I have is for the things to keep me sur- to survive. And, huh? Yeah, I just want to say what Don just said is something that's really important. Again, when we talk about sports and we talk about women and we talk about black women, she just said I didn't have the money to pay for that. Black hair care is a whole nother beast. <laughs> and it's something that's it's, it's totally different. Yeah. So, and it yeah. does take a lot of, of, of maintenance to show up overseas for two weeks, Over. you know, <laughs> without um, all of the products that you need to, you know, keep our beautiful, yeah. natural hair um, in the condition that it needs to be in. So you right. can show up on TV, exactly. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shine. you would even like to you're like no I mean I've been over here for some weeks no I wouldn't necessarily still have these same braids in but if I take it down I don't know what to do with it next mm-hmm. so we're going to keep these braids up it's a whole nother yeah. girl you just girl, open up a can of worms yeah. and so um so yes so the issue you said you know like afterwards I just remember 
doing interviews. And then the main interview that we did right, like immediately afterwards, uh, somehow they say that I came across um, jealous because I'm dark skinned, jealous because I'm black and ugly. um, And I'm mad because she got all the spotlight. And I remember literally thinking, all I wanted to do was win the Olympics. Like I, I did, I hadn't thought of fact, like I was literally like, I can now get a contract. <laughs> I had not thought about mm-hmm. cameras are going to follow me or people are now going to love me forever. And I'll be the goddess of hurdles. I can eat. Like I was, you know, thinking of Nike or Adidas or Reebok and all that will now approach me. I'm approachable. Like that was my biggest goal. My thing was at night when I laid my head down and I said my prayers, I prayed, Lord, being on that podium will be the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. So for me to lay my head down at night wasn't about the fame. Mm-hmm. It was about my full potential coming out yeah. when it mattered, when the gun went the off. The performance. And, yeah, the performance. You know, and you got and, it out. You it, absolutely right, right. got it out. That should have so, been enough. Yeah, It should have been. And so afterwards, um, like I said, then my, uh, I remember this dragged on, to be honest, for about four years, because I like I didn't have an agent or anything at the Olympics. Like I had nothing, so people couldn't get in touch with like nothing, guys. So this narrative carried on honestly for many years, and I remember just not understanding or feeling really confused because I look back at interviews and I wonder what had I done, what had mm-hmm. I said to come across, and it really was. Um, I felt lost because mm-hmm. I didn't have the platform social media wise because my best friend even started my social media. She's like, Dawn, people want to know. And I'm like, no, they don't care. And so, you know, she signs me up and then I get, you know, the, the few followers that I had. And I remember, oh, that's so cool. People care, you know, oh, but, but that this is pre Instagram and all though. Right. 2008, like this, this is, is like this Facebook. Is what, was right, she started my Facebook. Out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she started my Facebook and I got followers. And I'm like, so think about, it. like you said, even mm. now, there was no platform of people yeah. even to look back and scroll and say, well, let me see what type of person she is. Mm. There wasn't, like yeah. I said, even when I started, there was nothing. Yeah. I was literally like this person that came from out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you mm-hmm. weren't a reporter, know how to do your own research, the regular mm-hmm. fan is like, who? She's from what? You know, and then I'm from East St. Louis, Illinois, where we call ourselves a city of champions, but we are not necessarily known um, for positives, shall I say. Um, it's really it's, it's rough there. Um, kids don't make it out. Families are, you know, living in really, really rough conditions. Um, it's it's really rough. And so. I felt like all of that, if you wanted to continue to believe it, really played into it. If you mm. wanted to just say, look at her, she's just this ghetto girl from East St. Louis that's black, mean, and ugly um, that played into it. And so uh, I remember 2012 for me, that was when everything really like hit the fan. Because 2008, I was still kind of like, I don't understand. This just isn't me. That's so wrong. Why, why, why? And I, did, I remember looking at the picture of me um, at the 2008 Olympics and having braids in it. I used to wear my like braids to the back all the time. That was like a really cute style back then. And I was mad at myself that that was the hairstyle that I liked because I felt like I do look ugly with this hairstyle. Like, why would you wear this to the Olympics? When before that, I kid you not, I thought it was the cutest hairstyle. Like, I thought you it was so cute. literally make me feel like crying. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to cry right now too, but I'm not because it's just crazy where your hair is beautiful. It is, but 
you were analyzing? I literally felt like the, just imagine guys, the globe. Like I felt like the world was telling me I was ugly. And just imagine sitting at home and you're like, I, I like, you know, I, I don't use this term, but I swear to God, I didn't mean any harm. Like, <sighs> I don't know what else I could have done to, besides being like, oh, I'm mad. I won. And she did like, that was felt like it was the only thing I could do besides giving her the medal. Cause I just felt like, I think like all of us wanted it. I thought, yeah. and, and should I have not tried because oh. now I'm this villain, you know, and, you know, talking with my mom, crying on her many of times, um, you know, my sister, she, she was definitely baffled. You know, she's kind of like, what? Cause I've, the other thing is I'd never been really the prissy girl. Like, you know, I've, you know, wore mm-hmm. cute stuff, but I was never like, for me, when I competed, I wanted to put my hair in a ponytail and run. It was fast. Like, that yeah. was what Get I wanted back, to do. Let's you, go. Just, yeah. Aerodynamic. <laughs> and so for Why my can't sister, I just do the sport? Yeah. Right. And my sister was like, that's always been you. Why is it an issue now? You know, like everyone was just baffled. And so we get to 2012 and this narrative is still kind of carrying on. We get 2012 and once again, I'm on the team. It's me, Kelly Wells and Lolo cross the line. Um, and I, I remember being there and I was thanking God that I was once again in the best shape of my life and ready to contend for the goal. Like I couldn't, it was almost like I couldn't comprehend that my life had led to this point that I was, I know people that have tried their whole lives to make any team and they mm-hmm. haven't. And I was on my second team. I had won our Olympic trials and I felt like I was ready to do it again. What? Like, I just remember it, like even get on the plane, like shut up. Like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Like I was so happy to have on that uniform. Like I just, like, even when you got, I just leave like a kid in a candy store. Like I got another one. Like I was mm-hmm. so freaking happy. And to get there, and the whole narrative was, you know, between me and um, Sally Pearson from Australia. And so, like, who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? And I was so happy that me and her, because through the rounds, we were PR and left and right. And so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, the people that. are going to get a show. Like, <laughs> that was what I wanted. I was like, it's going to come down where you have to look at the clock. And we're like, who got it? Who got it? I wanted everyone on their toes, biting nails, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, it does. That's exactly what happens. I remember before the gun went off. They have the nerve to, you know, everyone's quiet and they do the heartbeat. Boom, boom. boom. And I was like, come on, it's enough drama. And then it starts to rain <laughs> on us. It starts to rain and you're like, I don't need any more added to this. This is intense enough. <laughs> Gun, right. Gun goes off, cross the line, and we're standing there for a second. And I end up getting silver. And for a split second, you're like, come on, because 0. 0.02. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, you have that moment of like, oh, but then there's a video of me where I clap my hands like and I'm smiling because that was a combination of darn it. I got second, but I'll be danged if I I just PR. I, I tied the old Olympic record. Like, wow. am I really about to cry? And it was like, give me my flags. I could do my victory lap. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. on top of the world because the for me, yeah, yeah. this is the what? Because yeah. they. Like I said, I wanted where everyone had to wait and look at the screen. Yeah. What? Because it feels like, you know, 20 minutes, of course, but it happens in seconds. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, what happened mm-hmm. and get done. You know, I'm doing my victory lap. I see my family hug them again. And they're just like, you did it. I'm like, I did, you know, you know. And the next day we go to, uh, I remember being in my dorm room and Michelle Carter was in there too. Uh, she's a thrower for the U.S. And I remember, like, 
No, this was afterwards. So I, okay. So I go down to get my medal, right? So I go to get my medal. We're down in the tunnel, you know, and I'm standing there and I pull out my phone and I start to look, you know, on my social media. Cause I want to post some stuff, you know, I'm like, and Kelly Wells, she turns around and looks at me and my face just changes from a smile to literally confusion, uh, and frustration because my phone is filled with you angry B, you black B, kill yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, but what happened? Uh, I go and, and Kelly Wells, she just gets my phone and she's like, just put it away. And I'm like, what happened? So anyways, I go back to my dorm room and I'm crying. I'm like, I don't understand. What did I do wrong? Me and Kelly Wells had done the interview. This is the next day, right? Mm-hmm. We had done the interview that mo- the next day, the morning. Um, and they were the beginning of the interview. They were trying to force on us this whole conversation of about Lolo, um, you know, just kind of like, so, you know, she, she didn't, you know, place the way. So how do you think she, do you feel? And so for me, I just remember trying to, my, my whole thing was, I'm going to answer the questions about myself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So how do you feel? And I'm like, well, I know, you know, it has to be hard, you know, but you know, we went out there, we represented well, to the, you know, so that's me curving it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the first one. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying, and I'm like, well, you know, we as Americans feel, you know, I curved that one. And then Kelly Wells says, well, I just know that she said something like the athletes that put oh, it on the right. line, like got a medal, something booms. Right. So that was she said, mm-hmm. basically, I kind of like, you know, we did well and we're in here. Kind of. Can we mm-hmm. talk about that? Yeah. yeah and so yeah. I was just like, so I'm like, there you go. Kind of like, thank you. Right. I'm sitting back. That literally is what the, you can find the interview. That is what they said. They said, you guys are angry black bees and you threw her under the bus. How dare you not uplift your. We were like, I have never experienced or seen someone that after they win something has to talk about somebody else. The next, the next, yeah. the first interview. Yeah. Like that is outrageous to me yeah, that you're not yeah, like, yeah. how do you feel? Yeah, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like. Tell the dreams come true. Exactly. Or even like, are you like this? Even hit me with the stupid question: Are you sad you got silver? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Come with that. Yeah. No, I mean, Take not that. talking about. And so very confused, but I thought that I did a great job because I said I understood. Once again, eight ladies went to the line dreaming, and unfortunately, you know, she got fourth, and I'm like, that has to be devastating. I couldn't imagine it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the thing is, the night that I won. My doorknob on my dorm was broken, so I couldn't get back in my room. My roommate was she had left because she competed before, so I couldn't get in my room. So I had to go next door to Damu Cherry's room. This was this was actually 2008. Sorry. But anyway, this time, 2008, Damu Cherry's room where she's crying the whole night and I'm laying in the other bed and she's crying. I'm like this. But this to me is an example of eight ladies line up mm-hmm. and you put your dreams on the line. So not trying to be funny. If you didn't get top three, typically you're you're sad. Right. Mm-hmm. You're sad. Yeah, and exactly. so you respect that. You understand that. But I got to experience firsthand. So that's why for me, when I line up, I'm never like, so what? You lost. Should have tried harder. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. You get no, it. So I get levels. it. I yeah. saw someone that cried their eyes out. She was and I was like, are you OK? Dabu? She's like, I'll be OK. Oh. And I'm sitting there all night like. Oh my god! The agony, the agony she was in, the and you were agony, like, yeah, exactly. the right. So yeah, so you know, back to 2012 because I mixed that story. But 2012, and I just remember thinking to myself, "Are you guys really going to do this again? Create your own narrative because of who you wanted to win?" Mm-hmm. And then they they got on Kelly because she had now aren't times so different now? 
how soccer players that we now uh, honor and win women of the year, right, type of awards, has pink hair. Kelly Wells in 2012 had a pink, uh, bl- uh, purple strip. She had put purple hair in mm-hmm. and they were like, you're ghetto and you should never represent oh, USA because of your purple hair. USA would never be represented like that. You're this. I mean, me and Kelly, of course, we have we share the story. So, you know, we were sending each other messages like, girl, are you OK? Like, what are you going through? And she's like, now they're getting on me about my hair. But now women wear different colors mm. and certain things. And they're like, oh, my God, that's the new wave. You got people mm-hmm. for Halloween want to dress up and be these people. Mm-hmm. But for us, it was how dare you USA. You should never have those three letters on your chest. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was talking in the Players Tribune, I told them, I said, it's such a beautiful time right now for women, because right now you cannot attack one of us. And everyone is not like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Excuse you. Yeah. You don't they don't deserve that. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. But in 2008, 2012, that was not how we supported each other. I'm sorry. You can say what you want. But that's not quite how we supported each other. We did not flood your timeline with you will not be disrespectful to this mm-hmm. woman. You will not do this and that to her. Yeah. So I felt like I went through four, four? more than four. that, but four solid years, Olympics to Olympics, where I was literally kind of just fending for myself and had to somehow find my own confidence and say, no matter what the world is telling me, I know that when I line up, I know it's a blessing to wear these three mm-hmm. letters on my chest. And every time I line up, I'm, I'm just going to do my best. Mm-hmm. So it was it That's was amazing crazy, strength, guys. like because that media machine is massive. Oh right. And that it's that sounds crazy. like I'm sorry that mm-hmm. happened to you, first of all. Mm-hmm. And it should never have happened. And it's really upsetting. Um. But also that, you know, you were able to withstand that and have that strength of Mm self-belief and come back out there and keep going. And that's just amazing. So just from from 08, just a quick question. Did you end up with a sponsorship afterwards? Like substantial um, or would you say it was you took it what it was? I took it what it was, because Mm. remember, uh, that's when the market crashed Mm. and they were well, we're still hurting from that. So this is what we have. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking how in, in a sense is my timing that bad? You know, you see people, you know, mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, you see people have one good, you know, race and they're like, oh, we want to get you because we just feel like we see your potential. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, potential? <laughs> I did the, I did what you want people to do, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, just the year before I had saw you know, some athletes that had signed for a pretty penny because they mm-hmm. felt like they had the potential to win the next year in Beijing. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. people didn't. And I didn't say in the same event, but I'm just saying, you know, like, and I did. And I'm thinking, I'm doing what you people want, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I was young. I was only two years out of school. So I remember thinking, you have longevity in me. Like, I'm someone that is focused. I'm going to. I have to prove myself like, like gold medal isn't. Like, oh, listen, every out. time I lined up, I kid you not, I always felt because I mean, think about like the stock market crash. So they're like, well, we don't really have. But but we'll, you know, if so every single time so I lined bargaining up, bargaining like power, I just so um, our listeners know, is always greatest after the Olympics or before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. If you are somebody who has a medal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you achieve a medal like Don mm-hmm. had the the greatest medal of all time, the gold medal, um, one would likely expect not just one sponsorship, (laughs) multiple, multiple sponsorships. And it's it's an opportunity, you know, sport is a vehicle of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, 
we do look for upward mobility because there's a short window in which yes. we can be professional athletes and it should allow us an opportunity to set us up for afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, in Don's story, it really hasn't been no, that. Not and at all. From, oh, you know, your 08 gold medal to now 2011, where you've got all the hot sponsors coming the year before the Olympics, because, you know, you don't train for this for nope. right. <laughs> just yeah, right. one He's year. Like, but it's 2012. I'm going to try it. No, you, yeah. you continue. Mm-hmm. You can, you keep going. But now, because the Olympic sponsors are popping up 2011, no, what was your door like? What was your phone? Was it ringing off the hook? Did you have knocks? Uh, no, and I no, and I had um one bronze at World Champs because I actually was coming off of 2010. I had injured myself, but 2011 I was going um, undefeated. So it was like, oh, she's back. You know, from the first meet until Worlds, I had been undefeated, and so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get you know the beginning of 2011 maybe. Mm-hmm. But I have mm-hmm. not lost. I'm showing you that I am coming back and I'm going to be, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Once again, mm-hmm. a contender, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I just thought that, like, why wouldn't you want a story of 2008? Because no hurdler had ever won an Olympic medal mm-hmm. and then made the next team and went and medal. So I was like, that's mm-hmm. a story in itself. Mm-hmm. Like, history is going to be made if I do it and it looks mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I could do it. And so I just remember being completely baffled when I tell you there was nothing, not one thing, not even a, my agent didn't even call and say, oh, well, it's a, you know, they're asking, I mean, nothing. And so for me, I've never had, Nike's been my only, I've never had a, another Nike's been it for my whole career. I do feel like, to be honest, this is kind of hard to say. I do feel like some of my team truly did accept kind of that narrative as in like, and they're not really asking for you. So that's where you are, you know, just work your shoe contract, get all those bonuses that you can. And I love my team, but I'm sorry. I do feel like they accepted that. And you what mean your representatives? Is, yes. Your team. Yeah. And I do feel like I have to take responsibility I felt like I kind of accepted that as well because I don't know. Like I'm thinking, yeah. I don't like. I'm like I can't do it for myself, right? You guys are supposed to go searching for mm-hmm. me, or or mm-hmm. from what I had also heard from other people, but pretty much big names, they come to you. So I'm like, they're yeah. just not looking for me, you know. Mm-hmm. But then yes. the times that I know that I did hear from companies, uh, they were like, oh no, you know, we're looking for you know, you're not the look. I'm like, well, dog on it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You say I'm not the look. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not going to show anything. I'm not going to pile on makeup. So I guess I'm not your look. You the know? Look. Yeah. Yeah. That's that so, so damaging, helpful. though, mm-hmm. because you you win the Olympic gold, you win the medals. And it's like, well, that's what they should be promoting your greatness. Listen. You know, yeah. is that not a springboard? But then when you hear things like that, that's that's damaging for other people that look like you. There's you know, that mm-hmm. they can't see you then later. Like and mm-hmm. then it just fuels the cycle. It's like, well, you're it not does. what you want. And it's like, it well, you does. haven't tried it. Like people do want yeah. that. You just haven't mm-hmm. put me out to yeah, know. You got, so and you guys were saying that, you know, Black History Month is coming up. And it's right. going to be such a special time, you know, to really just I love my husband. He's a math, uh, high school math teacher and he forces his kids to do research on people that aren't the norm. You know, MLKs, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, no, no, no. Give me somebody else. Bring me somebody new that you didn't know about. Right. Mm-hmm. And. You would I feel like. You would think 
that maybe someone from the outside looking in, someone in my position um, had been, you know, boosted up enough where I would be confident enough because you think about black history, think of just our history is so rich. There's so many people that have moved the needle that have done all these things. But in those moments, it's so lonely. You're like, when I look around, there wasn't any support in that. Like, you mean to tell me to find support or to find confidence? I have to look back to, Mm -hmm. and that's what it felt like. So for me, I didn't feel like uh, I had value or that I, you know what I mean? Um, I, I didn't have recent value. Like, I know overall one day this will be like, oh, you know, that girl won the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, she's dark skinned. She looks like me. But there Parker's was going to see that. Right. Which is mm-hmm. crazy. Maybe you get to see your mommy. But it's just in that moment, in that I felt like I was in a bubble and I didn't see anything to tell me continued on. You're worth it. Wow. Or the things that these people are saying. They don't know you. It's OK. They don't know you. People are going to have an opinion. Even if you were the chosen one and you won, then you have other people that still had something to say. I just felt like there was nothing recent to make me like feel okay, Mm -hmm. to feel safe. And, you know, now, you know, you have that. uh, I always say her name, Lupita. You know, you got Lupita. You have Oprah, you know, just all these things. But it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. I felt so alone. And then, of course, to hear from your mom and your dad and your sister, you're supposed to say that you're supposed, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, no, like not even looking for validation outside. It's like I need someone I don't know. But it's like if think about this, if the every time you turn on your phone, the only thing you're saying is negative about yourself. How are you supposed to combat that? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't like to be honest. It's almost impossible. Like, how are you supposed to still believe in yourself? Exactly. You win. You you do the thing you thought was impossible, and you're like, things will look up from here. We got it. We I did it. And then you're like, well, what's wrong with me that things aren't taking off? Why don't I have Literally. people knocking on the door? That's what you would you would think. What's wrong? Yeah. And nothing's yeah. wrong. But it's just yeah. there's a very small ideal window yep. of what people were looking for as far as looks yeah. and, pers- and it's just very. Um, it's missed opportunities all across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us now. So we're rolling from um, 2019 to 2020. Mm-hmm. Don's uh, year out of retirement. What does support look like for you now from a financial perspective? Um, sponsorships, ultimately, what allows you to be able to do this full time so you have the best chance when you, when you stand on that starting line? Um, well, I still don't have, I don't have any sponsors right now. Um, so yeah, so that part is challenging. What I do say is, is I was blessed where my mother stressed to me and she made it very clear and told me often to look around you, sweetie. Sports does not last always. One day in sports, the money does stop. Say, you know, it turns into, you know, you do motivational speaking or other things, but she's like this fast, quick money stops. And so you need to save your money. You need to. So I try to be responsible with my money. Um, so that right now is allowing me to continue to chase my dream. But to be honest, that money does not last always. And it is being it. eaten into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And so yeah, I have been, you know, on the look for a sponsor. I have been blessed where the, I have a chiropractic sponsor where in St. Louis, where she's, you know, adjusting me those things for free. Where I'm like, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Icelandic um, glacial with water, they actually, I, you know, reached out to them and, you know, I said, hey, you know, hydration is really important. You know, like, can you? And they're like, sure, we'll support you through this. 
So that, but literally those are like the only, so nothing, no financial, nothing is coming through. Mm -hmm. It's just nothing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and I feel like, you know, people are like, tell your own story. Don't let someone, you know, you go out there and you, but you're still like, how do you battle companies that have partnerships with other market agencies? You know, they just go and like, hey, who do you have? Send me that person. Or who do you have for, how do you battle that? And then if yeah. you are part of one of those companies, you're still not a big name. So are they pushing you? Like, you just, you are, yeah. it's, I literally feel like. You're not a big name with a gold and a silver medal. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So the only thing that I told myself, I was like, you've done it before and you can do it again. Clearly your situation looks different when you have a baby and a husband, but you know what hard work looks like. You you're know. You're human though. That's what trips me out. Is that it almost feels like you, you know, we put this asterisk of baby, husband, you know, an expansion of Dawn as like a little bit of a hindrance when we talk about performance enhancement, you know, but why you, wouldn't that be? But you know what? You know, it just obviously blows my mind, guys. I, I totally <laughs> agree. But you know what you, for me, what I yeah. have to do is it's a, you, you, it's like, I can't, you can't harp on it. Like you can't, you literally yeah. have to move on. Like no pun it, it often, right, right. It often pops in your head and you're like, it's like, you're like, nope, nope, nope. Don't have time yep. for that. Yep. It's, a, it's out of your control. Like it, you're, it you focus on that. You can drive yourself crazy where you take what's literally. in your control. You get mm-hmm. your training de- done. You'll yep. prepare, you know, you get your, take care of your child, all the things. Yeah. And yeah. that other yeah. stuff is not necessarily in your control, but it doesn't make mm-hmm. it right. And it's doesn't right. right. And just like, yeah. I think what I'm hearing is like, you know, this expectation of what an Olympic champion life is mm-hmm. like. And <laughs> I just know, you know, Ireland is a way smaller country than the US. We do not get the medals you guys get. But if someone's an Olympic medalist, they are set, you know, and uh-huh. that's like and really that's hard to watch, you know, for yeah. some American athletes. I'm like, yes. you guys are legends and <laughs> you aren't getting that royal treatment, yeah. you know, and um, yeah. And it's just like this is a real reality check mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. life of an Olympic champion. And thank you so much for sharing with us. I think this is yeah. so powerful. So incredible. And, you know, just so you know, the purpose of keeping track is to be able to further elevate and tell women mm-hmm. stories that aren't, you know, otherwise told in the way that we need to be, to be told. We're listening to your story. And I don't feel like there's a stone that has been left unturned now mm-hmm. within your story. People get to really hear the ins and outs that, you know, you didn't get an opportunity to tell in 08 and 12 um, mm-hmm. about, well, I mean, you tried to tell them, but they wanted to keep, you know, switching yeah. the narrative. But is there anything that we could be missing? Anything else? Oh man, is there anything else? Um, no, I I would just say that um, outside influences, um, and I know we all know this, but they're real because what I've done to myself, I've even put myself in a box over the years of like you know you have all these dreams like you know I said the three things that I want to you know become or I want to have in my life. Clearly, there were other things, but those were the ones, you know, that if you don't put your head, well, you can't say you put your head down, you find a man, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, you put your head down and you just like focus on these certain things and you do the right things. And But I found myself because of people telling me, you're not this, you're not that, you're not good enough, you're not, you're not, you're not, that I'm like, I run track. And what, like, what does that do to you when you're done running track? Mm-hmm. You do, you will find yourself 
in this space of, I have nothing to offer. Um, and you've traveled the world. You've overcome so many things. You've learned so much. You have so much to give, but you're like, no, I don't. I run track and I don't run anymore. So, you know, um, and what I had to constantly do, and I've been blessed also with my husband is, I mean, he's around me every day. So he's like, you're so much more like, do you, do you hear yourself about this? You're so passionate about that. You're so passionate about this. And I'm like, I do enjoy that. He's like, yeah. You know, he's like sweet, almost like helping me just chip away. Literally, he's just slowly helping me chip away at just the that box that I put myself in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's and I've, I'm feeling it crumble and it feels so good, but it's so scary because then what if I get rejected again on the things that I, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do? Yeah. And you're like, and but and the part that also helps, though, is there's never been a time where I have not been in front of or well, you know, people where they're like, how are you not like the things that you have to offer, the things you have to say? And it just helps now, you know, with, OK, I do have value. The things that I'm saying, my experiences are worth, you know, even listening to, you know. Yeah, um, and so, like you said, is there anything we're missing? I just feel like we have to ex- acknowledge that outside influences are real because this social media, it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm an adult now and I'm OK, but our kids that are growing up in this. Mm-hmm. This is their world. Like I was at least able to say, that's not fair and put it down. They're mm-hmm. still like, that's not fair. How do I not? And then they're going to try and find their validation from still here. And mm-hmm. I knew that there was a world that, you know, existed before. Yeah, but, so yeah. I was able to put it away and be like, those people are mean. And, you know, go to my family or go to my friends. Mm-hmm. I just, so I don't know. I just, we just need to acknowledge that mm-hmm. this stuff mm-hmm. is real and I love that we're pushing the envelope and we're saying like, no, we're, you, you're, there's more platforms for people to tell their stories such as this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really going to be like really, really helpful. I'm happy that you guys reached out to me and I'm truly appreciative. And I'll say this. It's amazing how I still hold on to and I have a fear of telling my story because mm-hmm. it sounds like. Here she go again, trying to just—it's yeah. a pity party, or here she. Yeah. And so, even when I was just talking to you guys, I was like, "Should I even be talking this much? Should I be mm-hmm. like, since a fee? I'm no, I'm I." Mm. <laughs> and I said this when I was talking on the Players Tribune because they asked the question. I was like, "Shoot!" It was almost like, "Oh my God, they're asking me!" Like, "Oh my God, I have to say something about it." Yeah. But it's like, but my experience is, as soon as you talk about it, it's like. Nope, you're going to put you to the back burner again because you didn't. I'm like, no, I'm not Mm -hmm. an angry black woman. I'm literally like, Mm -hmm. we're so beautiful. We have so much to offer. And everyone that lines up has something to offer. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Talking race is hard. Talking about, you know, gender discrepancies is hard. But, you know, these hard subjects have to be talked about in order for us to incite change. So, Mm -hmm. Donnie, thank you so much. It's been Mm -hmm. such an incredible conversation, you know, to open the doors for more people um, to see you, to see, you know, someone just as beautiful as you from the inside out. And I do want you to know that, you know, when we talk about Cinderella stories, it's just so incredible that you're talking about mm-hmm. taking someone else's shoes and the shoe fit. And it right. fit just for you the way that it right. should have fit. So, Cinderella like, story. Who it was is. not trying to use that story? Like that is Beautiful. Yes. You are my team. <laughs> yes. You need to write your own. So cool. Yeah. I never Disney thought of it like that. It's so cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. You guys can follow Don. Don, can you tell us where to follow you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, website? 
Yes. Um, Twitter and Instagram is the same. DHARP. 100 MH, uh, Media Hurdles. Um, and then Facebook, it's my name, Dawn Harper Nelson, for fan page and personal page. So, yeah. We love it. Okay, everyone. Well, that's all we have. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you for keeping track. We're rooting for you. Keep track. Keep track. Keep track. Keep Major shout outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flojo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network.